it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Michael Bronner, joining you this afternoon. And, of course, as always, you can interact with us on the app, as well as give us a call, 251-694-1055. And, Bronner, I tell you, it's one of those interesting situations to where if you look in the app, you would be able to go ahead and find that glorious cornhole video of our win yesterday. And I tell you, Nick did a wonderful job editing not being biased, I didn't see any frog reactions or emojis that popped up on the video there. So apparently he likes to try to to, to make fun of your frustrations, but I didn't see a lot of his on there. <laughs> you know, I get I guess I get a bit more animated than uh, than some, but it, you know, it is what it is. Well. I mean, being animated is okay as long as you take the dub. And that's what's important, taking the dub. And that's exactly what we did. But going back to some of my childhood days, of course, this generation and the video games are definitely in full effect. But one of the things that I used to love to sit in front of, in front of my PlayStation, one, two, three, didn't matter was hearing those magical words by EA Sports. It's in the game. And in 2024, EA Sports College Football will be making its return, facilitating collegiate name, image, and likeness because, of course, the Ed O'Bannon case is what kind of took us away from having athletes with their name, image, and likeness not being compensated, but... FBS players can opt in and receive compensation now. And if they don't want it, they'll get a generic avatar if they opt out. But the fact that you have the ability to make money off of your own name, image, and likeness, one of the games that I really, really, really loved playing growing up was EA Sports College Football. It's, I would contend it's probably the best video game of all time. Better than Madden, at least sports sports category. Uh, that's got to be its own category. But I would contend it's the best video game series in, in the sporting world of all time. NCAA football, better than Madden, better than any 2K, better than better than anything else. So you know the fact. I and I mark my words, they will mess this up in terms. Of it's not it's not going to be as fun as it used to be. But it's just the nature of I think uh, football gameplay. That's why I stopped buying Madden a number of years ago. It's just not as fun as it used to be for whatever reason. But uh, that being that being said, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm certainly gonna buy the game, so they'll they'll get my money regardless. Well, I will say this: 
they'll definitely get my money, and I'll be back on the controller trying to figure out how I can go ahead and go back into dynasty mode with a particular team, but hours after hours that was spent. Now, when you look at the covers of EA Sports College Football, the two Alabama players – do you know who the two Alabama players were that were on the cover of EA Sports College Football? Mark Ingram was on one. That's right. And I'm blanking on the other. Sean Alexander. Oh, Sean Alexander was on Madden 2. He, he, he might be the only one to ever appear on the cover of both. It, it's an impressive resume when you start looking at it. But when you go back, I will, I will ask people in the app, or you can give us a call at 251-694-1055. What is the best video game from a sports standpoint that has ever come out? The best video game. Is it Double Dribble? Is it Tecmo Bowl? Is it Madden? Is it EA College Sports? The best video game that has ever come out in college professional sports that you can sit and spend hours and hours in front of. You ever play NCAA basketball 10? The, ne- the one with Blake Griffin on the cover? Never played that's, NCAA college basketball 10. That's right up there. That's right up there with the best of them. I, I think I probably put probably three full days, and by that I mean like 72 hours into that game. Whew. Well, I will say this. When you start, it would, it would really burn my eyes because I would sit and play video games so long where it was mad, and I would want to try to complete an entire season. And... In the game modes that I play, it would probably take an hour to complete the game. Tecmo Bowl would go a lot faster. And someone in the app said NFL Blitz. NFL Blitz was one of those that I loved the excitement and the action of NFL Blitz. NBA Jam was another one that I really loved to play. And the fact that you could go ahead and select your players or put in the cheat code and be on fire, that was one that I really loved. But We'll see here moving forward what EA Sports and how they'll go ahead and and who they'll put on the cover, if anyone. So did you see their budget here for for players NIL? Well, the article that I read when it came out on ESPN was that they had not decided on an amount yet. What I had heard was it's going to be around $5 million, which – Sounds like a lot, but when you split that up amongst every athlete in the country, if it were to be equal, which it may or may not be, I don't know what the approach is going to be there. I don't know how you quantify you know, the value of Caleb Williams versus uh, Bo Nix or, or whatever comparison you want to make there and from an NIL perspective, but say you split it equally, it works out to about $500 an athlete, so... I got to ask you, is is your name, image, and likeness worth $500, or would you want more? I will say this. I would take the $500 if that's the amount that was equally divided amongst everyone who opted in. Because I would rather opt in rather than have an avatar these kids and want not get to be paid at the, all. These kids want to be in the game. Oh, without question. Yeah. And you, when you look back at the lawsuit that was originally filed, that's, I mean— it sucked when we weren't able to play that game anymore because, again, hours and hours and hours, you would look forward to, to creating a stadium or to going into a stadium and to see Lad People's Stadium on the video game. That was pretty cool to see South Alabama on the video game. 
that that's something that I know that a lot of people were looking forward to the day that you would see a local university on there. Or, like I said, go into Dynasty mode and create your own. That was pretty cool. Also, some people in the app said Fight Night was pretty good, but NBA Jam on Sega. It, Tiger Woods Golf, PGA 2 or 3 for Sega Genesis was pretty good. There, there are a lot of games that I definitely remember from my childhood. Tecmo Bowl, to me, is an all-time classic. Did you ever play Tecmo Bowl, Michael Bronner? Have you ever played Nintendo? It's a bit, it's a bit before my time. Come on, man. Bronner, we, we've got to get you hooked up to a Nintendo and let you go ahead and feast your eyes on Tecmo Bowl. Uh, Four I, plays to choose from, Michael. That's I it. I would love to play Tecmo Bowl. It's just, like I said, it's a, it's a little bit before my time. I grew up in a different era, so no, but I what, missed what, the boat. No, that's okay. What, what we can, uh, it's always vintage, brother. It's always vintage. We can go ahead and, and get you hooked up to, because they, they still have Nintendos. Whether we go to the flea market or one of these game shops, I'm, I'm going to get you hooked on Tecmo Bowl. Now, Super Tecmo Bowl was even better. Super Tecmo Bowl gave you a lot more plays, doubled the script, gave you a little bit better graphics. But going back to old school, I mean, Atari tennis was, was tough. That was real tough. But I still say that Super Tecmo Bowl. Super Tecmo Bowl was what I absolutely loved. Bo Jackson was unstoppable. Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. Those were the days of original video games. But I'm, I'm going to get, folks, I'm going to get Michael Bronner on the Nintendo, and we'll get started. Now, some people say you that. You still have one? Absolutely. All right. And a Sega Genesis. All right. Ha have we, both we can, of them. We can get this done pretty easily. Then. Easy. I mean, it, it's easily done because I'll find myself every now and then getting a little Tecmo Bowl or Super Tecmo Bowl action. And, of course, you always go back to the double dribble. Did you Have you ever seen double dribble? Uh, double dribble I'm not familiar with. Is it just like the basketball version of Tecmo Bowl? Pretty much. Uh, with probably, if I had to go graphics-wise, it was probably a lot worse than <laughs> Tecmo Bowl was. Is that but the one with the corner three? Is like yes, a, it's like a glitch. Deadly. Yeah, yes. yeah, I'm familiar with yes, that. Yes, you can fall into the stands. Yeah, on double dribble as it started, and I, I like it is Tecmo Super Bowl, uh, but I still say that the Raiders, an app user, Drew Donaldson says the Raiders were deadly with Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen in the backfield. Now, Marcus Allen and Bo Jackson, that one, two, even though you only had four plays to choose from, two were running plays and two were passing plays. When you started upgrading the script, Madden, the original Madden was pretty good, too. Michael, they had an ambulance that used to come out on the field. I've played like Madden 95 before. And take yeah, your players I, away I, when I've they seen get that. injured. Yeah, I played the like ambulance, NHL 95. Man, it would run over you. That's good stuff. It would run over you. The ambulance would run over all the players to, to take the player off the field. <laughs> and you would have to wait X amount of weeks before you could get a player eligible. And just the realness that the video games have been able to bring in Someone's right. Christian Okoye was unstoppable for Kansas City. There are just certain players, like I say, Jerry Rice and Joe Montana on certain video games are unstoppable. But what is the best sporting game, 
growing up because there's different eras. Michael Bronner says he's never played Nintendo. Never seen. Have I you ever played, seen? Never played Tech Mobile. Let me ask you. Have you ever Have you ever played on a Super Nintendo? I don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm I'm going to definitely during the break. We'll we'll go ahead and we'll get Michael hooked up with with what what it looks like uh, the console itself. What the console of of Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Let me ask you this: Have you ever played Sega Genesis? I think so. I think that's what I played NHL '95 on. Okay. I think. All right. Oh, man, all these, all these old, they, they blend together. And, and I, I will say this: so you're definitely a PlayStation guy, probably Xbox. But okay, Xbox, Xbox came along, and, and Nintendo has done a, a tremendous upgrade since there. They had the Cube, and it really didn't matter whatever you had to have. Mike Tyson's Punch Out <laughs> is really an all-time classic. As well, you can't go wrong with Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Now, have you ever seen Mike Tyson's Punch Out? I have before? seen Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Yeah. Okay, Super Mac was the man. Yeah. All right, he 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 could KO Mike Tyson if you knew what you were doing. It would be hard to get to Mike Tyson. But I, we say all this to say EA Sports is coming back in 2024 with college football, and I'm really looking forward to it because, of course, you'll have. Georgia, you'll have Georgia right there. You have Alabama right there. Of course, Michigan will be at the top. But the college football players in the FBS, Jalen Miller, will be fun to play with. The versatile quarterbacks is what you you want to see. Yeah, and I don't play with play pocket with. passers. Th that's exactly games. where you get crushed. If you play with yeah. a pocket passer, not me. And the blitz comes, but it'll teach you how to how to read a playbook. That's the <laughs> great thing about EA Sports and. 2024 college football that is coming back and they will have the name image and likeness they will have an opportunity that will have an opportunity to play it i'm excited about it the generic avatar if you opt out oh well you're going to miss out on a good thing but the ea sports being able to to see and dominate play one-on-one -on -one, you gotta absolutely love it the final drive with Michael Brauner and Corey LeBound. Of course, hit us up in the app. We want to hear from you. We've already gotten some good choices. What's the greatest sporting video game of all time with the return of 2024 EA Sports College Football? The final drive will be right back. Hi, this is Philip Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Bronner, and continue to love seeing your ideas in the app or your thoughts about what is the greatest sporting video game of all time with EA Sports College Football coming back in 2024 with the athletes getting paid this go-round. No O'Bannon here because that case has been settled and name, image, and likeness will allow us to enjoy EA Sports. It's in the game. Well, well, we'll see based on last night at the Team Focus banquet that was held. Kevin Steele, Alabama's defensive coordinator, came down, did a phenomenal job speaking about the Crimson Tide and the, and the state of the defense and letting Alabama fans know, look, there's no need to worry about the quarterback situation because 
even though within the last four quarterbacks that Alabama has had that have gone on to the NFL and been first or second round draft picks, in between that time, there were still national championships that were won that were not first and second round draft picks. And he made the statement that I thought was pretty funny. Coach Steele did last night at the banquet saying that Alabama, the defense would be responsible for taking up the slack for any deficiencies that Alabama's offense may have had or may have moving forward. And I, I think that Kevin Steele, a phenomenal speaker last night, letting Alabama fans know that they don't plan on missing the college football playoff. I and hope not. Bronner, I know that last year it was disappointing seeing Alabama on the outside looking in, but there have been some bowl predictions, and one of those by one of our our guests who will be joining us tomorrow, Brett McMurphy. Today, of course, 3.30, we'll have Josh Pate on, Ryan Ballingy talking about the PGA championships that are going on. Spanish Fort baseball coach J.D. Pruitt will join us. Of course, the Toros came up a little bit short today. And Jason Swain from Tennessee, angle of things will be, be joining us. But, Bronner, what will the feeling be if Alabama is on the outside Ooh. looking in before the college football playoff expansion happens this year? What will the feeling be? Uh, yeah, the overall <laughs> consensus. Well, it won't be a good one. Uh, I'm struggling for a good answer to that. I mean, no one's going to sit here and say fire Saban or anything like that. But, yeah. I mean, I, I think it depends on how it looks in terms of, you know, it, it, are they losing the games they lose because they can't stop the Tennessee offense, just for example, based on the games they lost last year, like, and they can't make adjustments, i.e. getting a new defensive coordinator and getting rid of Pete Golding, like, because that was the reaction to that. Uh, or is it the fact that defense is decent and the quarterback situation is such a problem that, you know, you just can't win enough games to be a competitive team and make the playoff and maybe you lose to LSU and LSU wins the West or something like that. I, I think it really just depends how it looks. I, if the quarterback play just isn't good enough to make the college football playoff, which still raises a good point. It's not like they haven't won national championships with elite without elite quarterback play before at least elite quarterback play on its own removed from everything else. Like Bryce Young, Mac Jones, and uh, and Tua and Jalen Hurts are kind of a, a different breed than, than Jake Coker and A.J. McCarron. Um, and, you know, obviously you make a playoff with Blake Sims as well. But that all being said, it's like and, – and also you look at Georgia winning back-to-back -back national championships with Stetson Bennett. It's not like it can't be done. But, I, I, I mean, I think you hear a lot about Julian saying next year if the quarterback play is, uh, is lacking. Uh, I think you hear uh, why, why aren't Eli Holstein and Dylan Lonergan getting a chance. It, I think it really just depends how they're losing games if they don't make a play. I think they have a great chance. And the schedule isn't brutal. All the all the losable quote unquote games are at home. You don't you don't really. Uh, besides the Iron Bowl, you don't really think they're going to lose any of these road games. I guess A and M always presents a tricky challenge in College Station. You lose with Bryce Young in 2021, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to 
temper expectations for this year. It's not to say this team can't win a national championship, but and the expectation under Nick Saban is always going to be to compete for a national championship. No, to win them, bro. Ain't no compete to win them. Well, they didn't compete for one last year. Because they lost. Yeah, I mean, so. But, but competing and winning is two different things because there's not a day that goes in and by Nick Saban's brain to where he doesn't know he's going to win that game, period. And the, the amount of hours that he puts in is probably absurdly different than his assistant coaches, even though he wants them to burn on both ends. But competing and winning, yeah, you, you lost a heartbreaker to Tennessee. You lost a heartbreaker to LSU. Uh, you would agree that this year entering it at this time of year in May feels different than any of the last you know, five, really even ten I, years I for say Alabama. This. No, it does not to me because I do remember what it felt like to have not n- knocking Jake Coker, not knocking A.J. McCarron. It's just a different era, though. It, it, it's, it's still boiling down to can you win games, okay, with a very solid defense and an offense to where you don't beat yourselves. You don't throw those pick sixes. You're not turning the football over. And Alabama, to me, they have that quarterback on campus that's going to get it done. And when's the last outside of Georgia? You can say, well, you know what? I'm disappointed because the last, it's been two years since we've won a national championship. It's been two years. That's too long. To As a fan base. What other fan base in the country can say that? No, there isn't one, for sure. And that's why I say, as Alabama fans, you can't be spoiled or worried with what Alabama has, the product they're going to put out on there on the field. I don't think it's so much a worry from me. I think it's I think it's just less so going into the season expecting a national championship. Like last season, in year, in year two of Bryce Young starting, I would say I expected a national championship. I thought on paper the defense was one of the best Nick Saban would ever have. Obviously, it criminally underachieved, and you lose so much going into this year, and the quarterback situation is such a question mark. So it just feels different than the last five years really have. It because and it's again yeah, it's because not you've got how many first round draft picks it's, or, it's or not to the say richest that, quarterback in the NFL. It, it's not to say they can't win a national championship. It just doesn't feel to me. Like, they're well, they're certainly not the favorite, and it doesn't feel right. to me like, from a fan base perspective, the expectation should be a national champ. Like, if they win a national championship this year, I think it would be Nick Saban's most impressive national championship ever. But, I mean, I don't think that's crazy. The expectations for Nick Saban is to win it all. His players' expectations are to win it all. Now they have to go out and execute and not beat themselves, of course. But I think here in about three months when the dust settles i have no concerns as of today being may 17th and especially listen to kevin Steele talk last night at the team focus banquet not worried about that at all on a side note i tell you what was funny coach harbaugh john harbaugh was getting ready to auction off a mac jones helmet he was like, nah, that's Mac Jones. He <laughs> plays for the Patriots. I'll pass on that one. I'll let somebody else take care of those duties. But, again, the final drive will be right back. Josh Pate will be making his debut here on the final drive. You don't want to miss what he has to say. Coming up next here on the final drive. This is Jason Caffey. Thank you for listening to WNSP 105.5 FM.
Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Michael Brauner, doing an outstanding job producing today's show, taking your phone calls at 251-694-1055. And, of course, college football, three and a half months away. And just love the fact that you have an opportunity in the offseason to talk college football, whether it's the transfer portal, whether it's who's going to be the starting quarterback, who's going to make a bowl game, who's not going to make a bowl game. And our next guest making his debut here on the final drive, Josh Pate joins us. Josh, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us here on the final drive. I appreciate you having me. I mean, it's, it's a nice place to be this time of year. I'd much rather be around your area than – other places where there's a lot of turmoil and people are wondering whether they're even going to have a conference put together this time next year. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't get better than, than the grassroots of the SEC and what goes on here in this neck of the woods. But you do a wonderful job on a plethora of topics. And one that hits close to home is the fact I know earlier I was talking about the fact that EA Sports, it's in the game, is bringing back. 2024's college football next season and the name, image, and likeness that will be going into that. We asked the question, what was your favorite sporting video game growing up? I actually think it would be the 05 NCAA game, which everyone had Bush on the cover, 04 or 05. Yeah. And that is the last, I'm not kidding when I say this, that is the last video game I ever played. Now, I did play it for like three or four years after it came out. I never even switched to like the next year when it came out. I just got one game, loved it, and just stuck with it until like 2009 or 10. And that is the last video game I've ever played. So easily, I'm saying the Reggie Bush on the cover NCAA football video game. I'm with you on that. When it comes back, I'm going to get my hands back on a joystick and start playing too. But I tell you, the Auburn Tigers wish that they could play and control the way that they are doing things on the field through a video game next season, even though they have a new coach, Hugh Freeze. They've been hitting that transfer portal pretty hard from the O-line position and the quarterback position, and I know that was really a need for the Auburn Tigers. It was a, it was a must, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a big-time need, and they, you know, they did something that I think gets taken for granted. People go through spring practice, and you've been conditioned because of what Lincoln Riley just did and what Dion's doing. You you get conditioned to thinking, all right, well, any weakness I see on my team in spring, oh, we'll just go get it in the portal. That is not the way this world works. And yet Hugh Freeze made it look like it does work that way. And you got to credit him. I don't know what in the world it's going to mean on the field this fall. I think in the net they'll be more competitive because of it. But to be able to go and get a – quarterback with multiple years of power five starting experience to just add to your roster that's not easy to go get really really good receiver talent you just mentioned offensive line talent is the thing in least supply in the portal ever much less after spring and they went and addressed that too so i mean i'm looking at several plug-and-play starters that they've gone and gotten now is that is that a testament to the portal guys you brought in yeah is it also an indictment on your roster yeah there's a lot of yes there but, listen, in this post-Lincoln-Riley-USC world, when people watched him do what he did last year and just win immediately, they don't care about your two- or three-year plan anymore. No fan base wants to listen to it. They want to win now. And it may be unrealistic, but that doesn't change that that's the fact. And so Hugh Freeze, at the very least, he's made them competitive this year. 
I mean, Josh, it's funny you brought up USC. I mean, if you look at them in the Pac-12 championship game, lack of ability to tackle, isn't there a ceiling there? What was the last part you said? Isn't there a ceiling there? I mean, in terms of how you can be in, in year one, uh, USC, yes, they were talented, but ultimately that team was never going to win a national championship or really make a college football playoff. Well, I mean, I actually believe if, if Williams is not hurt in the Pac-12 championship game, I would say they were headed to the playoff. Now, what they do when they get there, you're probably right about. But at the same time, that, that kind of makes my point. Like, he comes over there in year one. They were not a good team. And the biggest criticism we have of them is they weren't going to win a national championship. That shouldn't even be the conversation. If you come in year one and you're inheriting a subpar team and roster, man, it should be a struggle to get the double-digit wins. And Lincoln Riley got him there and, and had him on the precipice of doing more. Now, what you just said, that's a Lincoln Riley problem no matter where he's been. I don't even think it was a portal thing. They just haven't been able to play high enough level defense. Uh, they're going to for the foreseeable future, I mean, until we see otherwise, that's always going to be the Achilles heel there, which, by the way, is what's really funny about this year. Because if you look at the two best quarterbacks in the country this coming year, you got Caleb Williams at USC, you got Drake May at North Carolina. Neither place could stop a five-year-old if their life depended on it running football. And so the most elite quarterbacks are on the most vulnerable defensive teams. I think it's a wide-open national championship picture as a result of that. Well, I will also say wide-open for the chase of the national championship is going to always be the Alabama Crimson Tide. And that being, I think that with the quarterback situation being a question mark for a lot of fans, Kevin Steele was here in Mobile, Alabama, talking about it last night at the Team Focus Banquet. Let the quarterbacks go ahead. And the last four that you've had have either been first-round draft picks or, as of two weeks ago, was the second payest highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. So the era before that, Nick Saban was winning championships with quarterbacks who either didn't make it to the NFL or didn't play long in the NFL. Alabama's tank is nowhere near empty. Yeah, I'm glad you put it that way. There's a big plane flying overhead if you're wondering what the sound of the jet engine is. I'm glad you put it that way. That's how I put it Sunday night on our show when I was talking about it. Um, here's the, here's the, the mistake people make a lot of times with Bama. They look at them, and they judge them against past Alabama teams. So you're looking at them coming out of spring, and you may say, oh, man, that doesn't look anywhere close to the 2020 team. Well, okay, but they're not going to face the 2020 team this year. They're just going to face the other teams in the country in that given year. And um, they, they almost get graded on, like, a different scale, and it's a mistake. Like, there is no flawless team out there. There is no flawless program out there. I, I, I also think it's very funny. They brought in Buckner in the portal. None of those quarterbacks transferred. So, you know, what does that tell you? Talking to Josh Pate, who is Late Kick Live in the Late Kick Podcast, CBS and 24-7. Josh, what about Georgia? I mean, it's obviously we can talk all day about Stetson Bennett, his improvement in 20, from 2021 to 2022. I mean, are they really going to upgrade at quarterback this season? Obviously, Dylan Raiola comes in the next year, and it's probably going to be his job to lose, but are they really going to upgrade at quarterback from Bennett to Beck? Um, you're asking it the same way I'm asking, I kind of sarcastically. Because people will lead you to believe that, oh, it's, it's Stetson Bennett. Of course we could upgrade from him. Well, in big games, that dude played really well. So it doesn't matter how many stars you had next to your name. It should be a blind resume. And you look at Stetson Bennett's blind resume in those big games, he was very good. 
Um, and also, here's the other thing. This is the argument I've been in with a bunch of my Georgia buddies over the last couple of days. Dylan Riola's commitment, number one quarterback in the country for 2024. There's this misnomer that, oh, everything else about our team can stay the same. We can just upgrade 30% at quarterback. And the fact is, we've seen it with Bama. You trade something off. If you're going to build a team around a quarterback, there's a trade-off there. And sometimes it comes at the expense of your defense getting just a little bit more vulnerable or your offense, your offensive line, losing just a little bit of that pop at the point of attack. And it doesn't mean you can't win. Obviously, you can win that way. But to think Georgia as a team is capable of getting much better than they have been is foolish. And yet I'm hearing it from a lot of people who I don't really think understand how complimentary this game is. It is not played on Xbox or PlayStation. In real life, you know, when you change certain things philosophically, sometimes you got to give something up to get something. Well, I'll tell you, changing things up and getting something and taking something away will be the conferences and the alignment of the conferences moving forward. Of course, Oklahoma and Texas jumping in to play with the big boys in the SEC next year. But the ACC is going to look different. The Pac-12 and the Big Ten, Big 12, a, a total realignment and mega conferences, I think, are definitely coming, Josh. What are your thoughts about the conference realignments here within the next couple of years with the expansion of college football playoffs? I think it's inevitable uh, on multiple fronts. I think also it changes by the hour, seemingly. And it, it can really make you look dumb if you try and keep up with it and try and be public with your latest take. Uh, my whole take has been, let me sit back, you know, let, let me assess, let me pick out the few people that I trust that are covering this. But even take the ACC, for example. You got the FSU president uh, about two months ago that goes before the board of trustees and says, Hey, we can't be competitive. It's impossible for us to compete with the big boys in the coming years if the financial situation doesn't change. And so then you got the headline earlier this week. Oh, seven of them want to leave. And then you got headlines yesterday. Never mind. Uh, looks like the universities are going to agree to unevil, an uneven revenue share distribution model. And so now we're going to be good again. And it just that stuff changes so quickly. It just there is no design. It's like trying to nail Jello to the wall of figuring out how things are going to shake out. And then you go to the West Coast, the Pac-12 doesn't even know where their games are going to be played in their new media deal because it doesn't exist yet. And you got the Big 12 who's been aggressive, and they're sitting there licking their chops, understanding they are vulnerable. They're going to be member institutions that want to leave. And then you also have the Oregon-Washington dynamic where they could end up in the Big 10 any given moment. So it is a very uneasy time in college athletics. Josh, you had one of the uh, the best tweets I've seen come across my timeline in a minute yesterday saying, the biggest musical decision of our lifetime looms, talking about the SEC on ESPN. So are we thinking ESPN is going to botch this? Like, it's almost an impossible battle for them to come out with something people are going to like. I have guarded optimism. <laughs> it's very guarded uh, because it is so easy for, for people who don't live in the weeds of college football that they don't eat, sleep, and breathe it to mess this kind of stuff up and to misread the room. I mean, that music means a whole heck of a lot to people. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it is woven into the DNA of what Saturday afternoons mean. And that doesn't mean the SEC on CBS is the only music that could ever, you know, really hit someone in the soul. ESPN and ABC have had good music in the past. But, man, I'm telling you, 
if they go on air for that first Saturday and that first SEC game and you've got like Big and Rich or Taylor Swift or something like that playing, you are talking about torch and pitchfork time. There will be riots if they try and pull that. Well, I, I, I kind of under the impression that if, if you don't like it, you're probably just stuck with it in regards to them not wanting to change it or because they want it to be classic. They want whatever decision the network makes, they want you to be like, look, either you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. Either you're going to bring it or you're not. But as a fan, if we don't like it and we do come with our pitchforks and, and want to ride in revolt, do you think they would change it? As soon as maybe six or seven weeks in, or do you think they would wait to year number two to do it? Uh, I think they're too stubborn. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually agree with you. I think they'd wait until year two. But at the same time, you know, you didn't you didn't pay all that money to not listen at all. You know, you didn't pay all that money to then just throw up a middle finger to the most important collection of fans in college football. And I know sometimes people think it feels like they do, but in reality, I, I sit in on a lot of these meetings. Now, I'm over at CBS, but I sit in on a lot of these meetings. I can assure you it very much matters what people are saying, especially when a whole bunch of people are saying the same thing. It very much matters. Uh, those consultants don't like to look stupid. And they really, really like to look smart. So public sentiment's what makes them look smart. So I think ultimately the voices would matter. I just don't know that it would be, you know, week one to week two seeing a change. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that they will change the genre or the feel after year number one for sure, or find an updated R&B or or hip hop artist or or country rap music artist all together in one to to make that montage please the entire country, but. The, the music that you can go to sleep in, thinking about college football, dun, 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 and that's all you need to hear. And you know exactly where your mind is going to take you to a Saturday afternoon game on CBS or even with ESPN and college game day. So it's a great question that you posed, and I'm looking forward to, as a fan, to seeing what it's actually going to be. And, Josh, you do a tremendous job of covering – collegiate athletics and definitely here in the offseason we're getting ready to to dig in and have question after question that will be answered here in a couple of months especially sec media days makes it a lot fun a uh, fun too but in the meantime we'll just have to wait for people like brian kelly to make comments lane kiffin or jimbo to to shoot shots across the bow at at their future opponents and, and live with that for sure Hey, man, there is no offseason. I don't even use the word, but you are absolutely right. We are getting very close. Josh Pate, how can people follow all your tremendous coverage, your podcasts, and, and see everything that you have going on for CBS Sports? Well, first off, I appreciate the kind words. Um, however you want to, if, you, if you're a visual person, the entire channel is on YouTube, Late Kick with Josh Pate. If you love the podcast version, Late Kick with Josh Pate, all the social channels, at Late Kick Josh. So it's wall-to-wall college football. I don't mix anything else in. It's just college football all year round. Well, Josh, we look forward to hooking up with you at the SEC Media Days here in a couple of months, probably 59, 58 days or something remaining till we hit that opportunity. And look forward to talking to you here again on the final drive on WNSP. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys having me. Josh Pate joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And again, check his coverage out. It's, it's second to none in regards to college football. The final drive will be right back here on WNSP 105.5.
Hey, this is Coach Tommy Tuberville, and you're listening to 105.5 WNSP. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. And don't forget, WNSP is up for seven nappies. Seven nappies is what WNSP, you can vote any of the seven tabs you would love to click on. You'll have an opportunity to vote for the final drive under www.votenappies.com. And, of course, with Michael Bronner and I's cornhole victory we were able to go ahead and and get nick wiggins along with mark himes vote for a couple of days until we have our pickleball competition so again we would appreciate your vote on the nappies and of course last night we voted to see if the lakers could handle the nuggets I don't know if we made predictions on that game. Honestly, I probably would have taken the Lakers to steal game one. Or maybe, I think you asked me like three days ago who was going to win, and I did say the Lakers are going to steal game one. And I'll say this. They should have, by the way. I I know it took like a big comeback, but I don't know if you were watching. The Nuggets were just making ridiculous shot after ridiculous shot after ridiculous shot. I'll tell you right now, Lakers are going to win that series. I'm going to go out on that limb and say the Lakers are going to win that series. In how many games? I think it's going to take – I mean, they lost game one, so I think it's going to take at least six, but I'm not going to be surprised that they're able to win it in six. And ga- you know, and that would involve winning game two in Denver, which I do think they're going to do. And again, they did get 40 out of AD last night, which probably isn't going to happen again. But the, the, the rate the Nuggets were making, like, ridiculous, stupid shots at is also not going to happen again. It was so annoying in the fourth quarter. And again, I wasn't even rooting for the Lakers. I was really just rooting for a good game, but it's like – Lakers would cut it to eight. Oh, Nuggets make a ridiculous three. Lakers cut it to Lakers. It goes from fourteen to eleven. Another Nuggets ridiculous three. Jamal Murray turns around, makes it. It was so annoying and frustrating to watch. And then eventually they cut it to four or five. LeBron yeah. tried to pull up to tie it, and it, it just didn't go down for him. But I'm telling you right now, man, they yeah. are not going to shoot the ball. Uh, barring like a uh, most ridiculous shooting performance ever in it throughout a series, it's just not sustainable. I really do believe Lakers. I'll tell you what. Book it, they get game two in Denver. So 1-1 one, one headed back to L.A. Lakers win game, games three and four in L.A. And then uh, Nuggets win game five in Denver, make it 3-2, and then game six, we're shut, shutting it down. Lakers don't lose a home game This the is whole what series. you can't do if you're the Lakers. You can't waste a 40-point performance and 10 rebounds by Anthony Davis and have another 26-12 and 12 by LeBron because – Anthony Davis is not going to give you 40 and 10 or 40 and 20 until probably game six or seven in this series again. Now, yeah, it's it, hard to say they wasted it. I mean, they were getting killed. They for wasted a lot it. Of the they game. lost. Yeah, it's, I, they yeah. wasted it. Yeah. It, it. It's just like when Jokic got a triple double. If you're going to get a triple double, he had a triple double for three quarters, by the way. <laughs> that, that, that 34, 21, and 14. I believe it was like the second 30, 20 triple double in playoff league history, which I, is ridiculous. Stat. I said it again. I, I'll say it again that when you vote for the league MVP, it should not be done this early. You, you should go ahead and wait because there's people demanding a recount right now for who was the league's most valuable player. But you're down 21 points if you're the Lakers. Yeah. And with 45 seconds left to go, you have a chance to tie the game. That's amazing to me. 
that's reasons for concern if you're the Denver Nuggets. I, I agree. You're at yeah. home. And you allow the Lakers. Well, I think like to Lakers got to be feeling like pretty good after that. They shot like that, and they still almost made a ridiculous comeback to win. I really think the Lakers are going to win this series. And again, like AD may or may not get forty again. Jokic may have a performance like that again, but I, I feel pretty good about the Lakers' chances to at least steal Game Two. The Denver Nuggets aren't the pretty pick in the NBA. They're 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 not the prettiest girl at the dance, so to speak. But they just find a way to get it done. And Denver, I think, will win this game in seven. Seven. The Denver Nuggets are going Lakers to the first six. ever. I, I like that. I like that. The final drive, our number two, coming right back at you. Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to hour number two of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Brauner, joining you on your drive home. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in. And don't forget, www.votenappies.com. Under the media tab, you can click on the final drive for best sports show. And we would appreciate your support and vote there. And I tell you who I give a vote to when it comes down to all the great golf coverage that's going on at preparing for the 105th PGA Championship. Ryan Ballingy, owner at Golf News Net, joins us this afternoon on the final drive. Ryan, how's it going, my friend? Good, Corey. If that segue doesn't get you a couple votes, I don't know what's going to do it. There we go, brother. I just try to be the king of the segues. And I tell you, there's been some sweet swings that have been going on here lately in the PGA. And the PGA Championship is one of those events to where Justin Thomas, an Alabama guy, a lot of people down this way follow Justin Thomas and everything that he has going on. Can he and will he sustain and have a great PGA championship this week? It's been a bit of a weird year for Justin Thomas. Last year was too, honestly, before he won the PGA. But it didn't seem like things were going in the right direction. But then you win a major and all's forgiven, your year's great. And I don't know if he's been off to a particularly good start this year. You know, we're halfway through the year and I don't feel like he's hit his stride yet. But that doesn't mean he can't play major championships well. You don't win two PGAs by accident. He has played well and won two PGAs on difficult-to-score golf courses between Southern Hills last year and uh, the Wells Fargo Championship host Quail Hollow uh, 2017. So he, he knows how to do this. I think he's heading in the right direction. It's just when that's, that starts to snap into place, whether that's this week or uh, a month from now at the U.S. Open. Ryan, I'm going to ask you – a two-parter, one part simple, one part a little bit more convoluted. One, 
how awesome is John Rom? And the second part of that, a- am I crazy for uttering the statement that his game right now is approaching prime Tiger levels of, of ability at least? I would say he had a stretch from October through February. And hell, throw in the Masters. Why not? Where <laughs> he's, he's playing Tiger-esque golf in terms of how he gains strokes and how he's beating the field. Uh, he's playing at that kind of level. Now, the difference between John and Tiger is that Tiger sustained it for the better part of 12 years, on and off. And John Rahm's really done it for about six months. So he's got a long way to go to catch up to Tiger. But he is playing that kind of level of golf this year and really dating back toward last fall. And it's just incredible to watch because you know he's going to be there. And we don't have a lot of those kinds of certainties in our sport where right now you have Rom and I would argue Scotty Scheffler. It's not quite at that level, but playing an extremely good level where you know those two guys are going to be there. It's just a matter of can anyone else stop them? We're not only worrying about stopping them, I like to to bounce around from the PGA over to the Live because that is the talk of golf and the competition between the two organizations at this point in time with the Live Tour and the Live Tournament. Is it living up to the expectations and the hype that was generated and created when it was founded? I don't think so. I mean, I think Greg Norman talked a great game in recruiting players to come to live in trying to get people to be convinced that this was going to be a big deal, if not maybe the end, the dethroning of the PGA Tour. And I think solidly in year two for Liv, that's not the case. Liv is what it is, and it has a, a tour of 48 players, and I would say about 24 to 30 of them are very, very good golfers, world-class golfers, many of them. And then there's a bottom third that frankly stinks and shouldn't be on the tour and drag down the tour. <laughs> and with the step for Norman here and the Saudis is they're going to have to find a way to cut out the players that frankly drag down the tour's name. And they're going to have to replace them with world-class players in the PGA Tour, EP World Tour, the Asian Tour, which is starting to kind of come up into its own again because of the Saudis' investment in it. But if he can't do that, then Liv is done invested in a couple of years' time because the Saudis aren't going to continue to invest in something that isn't gaining traction against the PGA Tour's ratings. And isn't, they're not going to continue to invest in something that people aren't watching on U.S. television. So I, I think it has kind of failed to deliver on Norman types, but it is still pretty incredible what they have managed to accomplish in a year and a half with, what, $4 billion at their disposal. Ryan, kind of staying, and we're talking to Ryan Ballinger, owner of Golf News Net, kind of staying on the live topic a little bit, but not really. Our Rory McIlroy, where does he factor into all of this? I mean, you're talking about a guy who was the ambassador for the game of golf for a year and then goes and gets cut at the Masters while three live guys finish in the top five and then says this week, he, I guess he's going to be taking a step back from being that face at the forefront of this battle, which isn't even really that much of a battle in my eyes. I, I mean, what? How, just how about the year it's been for Rory McIlroy? I, I think in some ways, and this is conjecture on my part, but I, I think he's a little bitter that guys like Raman Scheffler were beneficiaries of the system he helped create and spent a lot of time, personal hours that he didn't have to spend being the guy behind the scenes, working with the tour, working with the board, trying to develop this plan. 
being the public face of everything, taking shots from every which way from live people, uh, berating him, condescending to him, and he didn't get the opportunity to be a full-fledged player like Robin Scheffler were, who they, they took advantage. They, they came into their own. They made a ton of money. Rom already has the PGA Tour single-season earnings record, and we've got, what, four months left in the season? So I, I think there's a little bitterness there, and I think he's just sick and tired of having to be that guy. He wants to be Rory McIlroy, four-time major winner, hopefully five-time, six-time, seven-time major winner. He wants to get back to that, and I think he tries – He's trying to plant a flag in the ground this week with his news conference head of the tournament saying, look, stop asking me about this stuff. I did my job. Now I want to go back to my real job, and that starts here. I mean, is, doesn't there have to be a degree if he wants – I mean, he put himself in this position. That's why it, it, it's so I, – I feel like Rory is – I mean, I, I guess I, I was a Rory fan, but he's bothered me this year. It feels like he's such a hypocrite now at this point. He's the one skipping the elevated events that he he helped to create. Now he's the one saying – you know, take me out of this conversation. Is it just because he hasn't performed well? I think that has something to do with it. I, and I, I have an understanding that there are some things kind of going on in the background. They're not professional golf-related. They're personal. And that probably also has him frustrated and probably leads to some of this kind of stuff speaking out. And that is, from what I understand, why he skipped the heritage. He just didn't want to go into it. And, uh, and, I, and I can understand that, I suppose. But I can also understand why people like yourself are like, hey, dude, you... You built up this whole thing, and then you violated your own rules at the first available opportunity. And I, I think he just kind of had one, and he does it from time to time. And throughout the course of his career, he has these weird moments of weakness where he will do something absolutely stupid, and you'll wonder why a guy that smart does it. And then he'll forget about it, and everyone else will forget about it because he does so, so many great things and so many really nice things. And... It's very strange that uh, he kind of has these blips on the radar where he almost seems to kind of self-destruct for a minute and then snaps right back into place. So I'm hoping the snap back into place is about to start. Well, Ryan, I'm, I'm going to ask you to kind of go out here on a limb. You mentioned the the fact of earlier about Justin Thomas and, and his roller coaster of a season. If there was a favorite going into tomorrow's competition at the end of Sunday, who do you think is going to hoist the trophy? I think the person most people are going to like, and I, and I like for good reason, is Xander Shoffley. He, he played great last year, won four times, three individual times, and, and once with Patrick Cantlay in the Zurich Classic. And he's just playing extremely consistent golf. I mean, among the players on the PGA Tour, so we take the live guys out of it. But among the guys on the PGA Tour, last 10 tournaments played, he is the leader in strokes gained. He is playing the best golf statistically of anybody on the tour. And he just hasn't matched up that good play with a win yet. He's played so well in the major championships at the start of his career. He's basically only played, what, not even 30 major championship starts yet. And he's been in the top 10 in more than half of them. So he knows how to play these tournaments. He likes the tough tournaments. He likes the deep field. Playing well, that screams to me a reason to be a favorite. And also his running buddy, Patrick Cantlay, playing great golf, loves Northeast golf. He's won twice in the last couple of years in the Northeast. Has played categorically his best golf in the Northeast in the history of his career. I think there's a good reason to like him as well. I think those guys, if you start to go beyond Rahm and Scheffler, that's, that's your next two guys you really want to like this week. The last two times the PGA was played at Oak Hill, had some wackier winners, you could say. Jason Duffner in 2013, Sean McKeel in 2003, uh, really out of nowhere. So, like, I, I mean, 
these things can just be coincidences, but would you be surprised if someone really came out of nowhere? I don't know, like a Sahith Tagala. He's a good player, but uh, would you be surprised if, say, say like a no-name kind of won this week? No, and I've been saying this for a little while, but I feel like we're due. We're due for a weird one. And we haven't, I mean, weird one in the context of someone you've never heard of or comes out of nowhere. I mean, Phil Mickelson winning the PGA 50 years old was weird, right? That doesn't happen very often in the history of our sport, maybe every 50, 60 years or so. But you knew he was a great pedigree of a player. So that wasn't totally out of nowhere. I, I think we are potentially due for a star-making kind of out-of-nowhere winner. And I don't think it's the venue. I mean, Oak Hill has produced great major champions like Jack Nicklaus and Lee Trevino. So they, they have been able to rise above the rest, the best players in that era, whenever they played at, the, at Oak Hill. This is a little bit of a different venue now. They had Andrew Green, great course architect, come in and renovate the property. It is very much a different golf course than it was 10 years ago when Jason Duffner won. That, that all said, I still think you got to be a great ball striker. I don't think you have to be a long bomber to win here like you might have to be at other major championships this. Well, Ryan, definitely look forward to, to looking in and watching your coverage of what's going on with the PGA Championship this weekend. And, and we have a poll question today that we've been asking our audience. Of course, EA Sports, it's in the game, is bringing back in 2024 college football, the college football game. Was there a game growing up that you absolutely sporting-wise love to play? What is the greatest sporting game? video game that you've ever played some people said double dribble tech mobile some people said nba jam some people said tiger woods golf what what is it for you there's so many good ones uh nba jam comes right to mind man i played so many hours of that game ken griffey baseball on super nintendo used to beat a ton of home runs with ken griffey jr back in the day um uh, MVP Baseball 2005, I loved for PlayStation 2. I played a lot of hours of that. But I think I'm going to say Punch Out. That I love Punch classic. Out. Mike Tyson uh, Punch It's out. one of my favorite games. And I still watch speed runs with kids playing on YouTube <laughs> to this day because I, I enjoy it that much. So I'll say, I'll say Punch Out. What, what, what I'm trying to do, Ryan, is my buddy Michael Broner, he, he's a little younger than I am. And when I say younger, I'm being generous, okay? He, he didn't he, he hasn't had an opportunity to experience Nintendo or Super Nintendo so I'm gonna go ahead and, and put, dust them off let him get a little bit of Mike Tyson's punch out and some double dribble and some tech mobile in his system as well as some college football he, he knows about the Madden because that transcends going back to your original Sega Genesis but Ryan we're, we're gonna bring the millennial up to speed on how we used to do it old school style. Just let him rush a few times in Bo Jackson and Techno Bowl, and he will love it. That guy was unstoppable in that game. <laughs> yep, we had somebody say that Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen tandem were untouchable. I said, oh. I said Joe Montana and Jerry Rice were, were the yep. unstoppable in Techno Bowl. That little slant route combination they used to run as well. But I, Ryan, I, I appreciate you for chiming in on our poll question today. And, again, if anybody and everybody would love to follow all of your great golf coverage, especially with the PGA Championship starting tomorrow, how can they do so? Easiest way to find us is on Twitter or Instagram, Golf News Net's the handle. Uh, same thing for, for Facebook if you're on there. And then our website is golfnewsnet.com. Appreciate that, Ryan. We look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.
Ryan Ballinger joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And don't forget, we would love to hear from you in the app. Sean Jones said NFL blitz. I have to agree with the violence on that game to where they would dump you on your head on NFL Blitz. And, and was it better going to the arcade and playing the video games, or was it better playing them at the house, at the crib, getting on it with the joystick? Or did you love to, to go ahead and mash the two buttons that were available in the arcade? And I, I loved them both, but personally, I love chilling at the house, playing the games, because... I can always pause them and come back to them without pumping quarters into the video arcade machine. The final drive coming right back here on WNSP 105.5. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio, 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP, 105.5. And our question today is, with EA Sports, it's in the game, returning college football back next season in 2024 and FBS players can opt in and receive compensation if they would like and if not you're just going to have a generic avatar what is the greatest sporting game that has existed on any platform nintendo super nintendo you can call it the cube you can call it playstation one through five xbox doesn't matter what you played what gaming system you like mike tyson's punch out is one that has been mentioned as a favorite double dribble along with tecmo bowl but What's the what's the best game? Madden, I think, across will stand the test of time as far as from a video game standpoint. But yesterday we were looking at what would stand the test of time from an NBA draft standpoint. And Wimbenyama was definitely the talk of the town yesterday. You know, you know, my Mavericks take didn't come true. Yeah, but yeah. that being said, I uh, admittedly I should have looked at the odds before because it would have been a lot 3%, easier. Three percent. I told you yesterday. Three percent. Well, if I had looked at the odds before, well, it really showed my lack of preparation for that segment. But if I had looked at the odds before and saw the Spurs had a fourteen percent chance, I would have been all in on the Spurs <laughs> having that thing. Look, I really yesterday I was hoping when I talked about it. Anytime you're able to land in '87, the Admiral David Robinson in '97. Tim Duncan, big fundamental. And now you're here. There was no doubt Wimbanyama is going to be the number one pick taken by the San Antonio Spurs. And I told you, I felt that Popovich's career could be extended by if they did receive the number one pick. Didn't really want him to go to Portland or Portland have that opportunity. Michael Jordan wasn't quite sure that he would be able to get it done because well Sam Bowie was a good pick hey he was <laughs> the overall number one pick but I think I you just, I think oh he was two behind Olajuwon I, wasn't he I, I think that Sam Bowie Olajuwon Jordan that's that was a great draft class but the Did, Spurs, didn't work out for my guy no the spur I, and I, I figured you know look I, I should have made with it's, un, it's with unfair you. to him no nah, it, it it's not it's not really fair to where when you look at Wimbenyama's expectations that are being placed on him. Now, 
if he's able to live up to him and stay healthy like LeBron did, that's one thing. But a 14% chance for the Spurs, they landed it. You really were thinking that the worst record in the league with the Pistons having a 14% chance or the Rockets having a 14% chance. That's not how it went down. The Spurs, Charlotte, Portland, Houston, and Detroit. And Orlando, I think, can make some noise. I know David, Coach Dale Osborne is on in the morning time with Lee Shervanian, the former South Alabama Jaguar assistant coach currently with the Orlando Magic. The Orlando still have an opportunity to make some noise. The Orlando Magic have a chance to make as a franchise to get better sneaking out there with picks number 6 and 11. But I think that the San Antonio Spurs organization can really extend Popovich's career now, Michael, because Popovich said, I'm not leaving. No, <laughs> no, he's definitely not. He's already a Hall of Famer. And was there speculation in the past couple of years that like he was gonna retire? Well, or he, like here's the speculation that that a lot of people thought that Becky Hammond would possibly, who was his former assistant coach, would be the first female coach named in the NBA as a head coach. And now she has her own problem with the Las Vegas Aces and that organization in the WNBA. But that's really where I think Coach Popovich wanted the franchise to go is for Becky Hammond to come in and be the next leader. But Popovich is not going anywhere with Wimbenyama taking over. And it's just a matter of time. But th the question is now, does Michael Jordan turn to Brandon Miller at, at number two? Or do they decide to go in a different direction? I don't know. I you know, so I got Nick Wiggins in my ear telling me it's a guarantee that they take Scoot. But then I look at these mocks, and they're pretty varied. Uh, I've seen Miller at two. I've seen Miller at three. A lot of the buzz, no pun intended, Hornets, Buzz City, uh, is that the Trailblazers at three are going to look to trade down, no matter if it's Scoot or Miller available, uh, to pair, I guess, an established star with Lillard, which you understand. I mean, Damian Lillard is loyal to the Blazers pretty much to a fault. Yeah. Uh, so you understand, like, if he's doesn't want to start over again with a young guy, like, man, I would love that for Brandon Miller in that role. I think him in Portland is kind of the perfect situation for him. Whether that works out, I don't know. Uh, I think it's more likely that Portland trades the pick and, and tries to get an established star and someone else is trading up. It's not impossible that Brandon Miller drops out of the top three. Uh, I'm not an NBA draft, but we'll, we'll get someone on uh, maybe next week to, to break this down a little bit. We had Michael Weisenberg on a few months ago. We'll, I'll go to him. But anyway, um, after that, yeah, I, I, it's it's really we know who's going number one, and after that, it's a lot of question marks. I mean, Scoot really is supposed to be that good. Uh, you already have Lamelo in in uh, in Charlotte, so I don't know if I don't know. I, I I would think you'd be able to make that work from a from a duo guard standpoint, but I, don't know. I mean Brandon I Miller would be Brandon cool Miller, too. Brandon Miller going too is definitely Bryce somewhere. times Brandon in Buzz City and and, mm. and and Scoot Scoot Henderson. Yeah, that that's a great Charlotte connection there. Scoot Henderson and by the way Bryce Young's jersey in the top ten already in NFL jersey sales as any number one draft pick would be, but not even a snap taken. If Bryce has and produces any numbers, he can easily go into the top five. But I do still say that Scoot Henderson going to the Trailblazers as the third pick would be a great choice for the Trailblazers. That'd be, that'd be it, odd, too, I mean, with, with Dame. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to need someone to 
break down these scouting reports for me and and see who would be a good fit. Again, I th- I think it's more likely than not that Portland does end up trading down. I'd love to see Miller in Dallas with Luca if uh, I think they ended up at ten or something like that. I'd love to see them trade up and make a move like that. So we'll see who ends up moving up if Portland does elect to move down. But yeah, when Benyama gonna go to San Antonio and what feels like a bit of a staged rigged I understand they were tied for the tightest odds I'm not I'm not throwing that big of a conspiracy out there but it's like if you're the NBA would you rather have uh, the Greg Popovich redemption arc late in the twilight of his career or would you rather have him rot in Charlotte I mean the choice seems obvious there all right well let me ask you this as far as obvious choice and this is before the series even starts tonight Miami and Mm. Boston who do you have you like Butler or you like Tatum? Like I, I, I like I like Boston. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to to take Miami in the series. I think the question is how many games like Jimmy Butler's gonna have to put up forty five a game for Miami to win this yeah. series, pretty much. And even if he does do that, it's still probably gonna take seven games. I'm gonna go Boston in six. I think yeah, no, I I like Boston six. I'll, I'll take uh, I'll tell you what I'll take Boston in five. A little gentleman sweep in All the right. Eastern Conference Finals. So that, that'll we'll work. see what happens. That'll work. On the other side of this break, we've had some great local action as far as at Chacaloca Park and Spanish Fort. Unfortunately, came in as runners up, losers today to Oxford, twelve to three. But JD Pruitt. Phenomenal season for the Toros. You take away the COVID season. He hasn't been involved nothing but four years with the Spanish Fort Toro program. Spanish Fort's head baseball coach, J.D. Pruitt, scheduled to join us next here on the final drive. Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5, and of course, here at the end of high schools as seniors are walking across that stage, class of 2023, the Spanish Fort Toros were playing for a state championship in North Alabama. Jacksonville State is where they had an opportunity to take on Oxford today. Came up short two-game championship series. They do lose to Oxford. But a tremendous season by J.D. Pruitt and the guys. And Coach Pruitt is a true soldier, meaning that he was able to battle through a torn Achilles, Coach. And I, I tell you, I know that had to be quite and extremely painful, but a tremendous season for the Spanish Fort Toros. Uh, first off, guys, man, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, uh, you're right, man. It's uh, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate uh, for the way that uh, the season ended for our, our guys. You know, this is you know, this is such a special group. Uh, you know, not only to me, but I think to our community and um, and just what the, the relentlessness and the resiliency that these guys played with, you know, all year long. Um, it's really just a uh, it, it really, their personality really embodies the, the personality of our community. So, um, again, like I said, it's, I mean, we couldn't be more proud of our guys and, and the way that these guys have uh, conducted themselves 
uh, off the field this year, on the field. Um, again, it's something that, that we'll continue to build on in our baseball program for the future. Coach, you guys were playing uh, Oxford Yellow Jackets team that finished the season 39-6, and six, and they, they just had hot bats, and they played extremely well all season long, but it's all about getting hot at the right time. Your, your team battled through adversity, and I, were, I was talking to you earlier today about you take the 2020 COVID season in which you lost an entire spring as a head coach in preparing your team and not being able to play those, those that year due to COVID. How many years does this make minus the COVID year for you at Spanish Fort? Yeah, so this, uh, this marks uh, minus the COVID year, my fourth year at Spanish Fort, and, um, you know, previously at, at Enterprise High School. Um, so, um, again, you know, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a tremendous, uh, tremendous ride with this, you know, again, like I said, with this, with this group and, and, and what, you know, they've been able to accomplish this year. You know, and I think, I'll say this. I think uh, you know when when people talk about you know us getting our team getting getting hot at the right time. You know, I'll say this about our about our group. Um, you know, uh, we we came into this year uh, very young and very inexperienced. You know, we graduated 17 teams off of last year's team and, um, and brought back two players with any type of significant varsity experience. Um, and I kind of knew early on that this group. Uh, wasn't necessarily going to be um, as talented as we had been in the past, but uh, we were. I knew. I, I knew we were going to be a lot better team, um, and so that speaks volume about this group and, and, and the way that we start. We were able to get off to, and man, we played a really, uh, really challenging schedule. Uh, and so I, I wanted these guys to cut their teeth in the sense to, um, and, and if, while they gained some varsity experience. And, and, and so we, what we did was is that this group uh, learned and they grew literally right before our um, And so every, you know, opportunity that we had was just a learning experience, whether that was both positive or negative. And those guys took everything in stride. Um, and I think one of the most important things that they allowed us as coaches to do is that they allowed us to coach them. And that says a lot because, uh, and so what I mean by that is, is that, uh, you know, uh, you know, in a, in a day and age where, you know, um, man, it's, you know, you got this personal coach and you got this personal coach, you know, our, like I said, our guys were extremely coachable. They bought into the system that we wanted to implement and they reaped the benefits of, of, of allowing us to do that. So, um, and like that we we had a you know got a really good coach staff and, and man our, and the players bought into everything that we wanted to do so uh, again man it's, it's, these guys deserve a ton of credit for the sacrifices and and um, and, 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 and investment that they made into each other and, and into our program. Coach, you talk about rallying. I mean, you guys lost game one in four of your five playoff rounds and were able to put away McAdory, Sarah Land, on the road at Stan Hope Elmore. And in the process of that, you wind up tearing your Achilles. Coach, how did you tear your Achilles and the resiliency that you've shown battling through that I think is a reflection. They see that there are your players are a reflection of you. Uh, 
well, yeah. So, so in last week's series at Stanhope Elmore, where we were we were sitting there in game three, and um, we had a um, I coach from the from the third base from the dugout, and and uh, we had a play at third base, and and the ball kicked away from the third baseman, and it was coming right at me. And so I didn't want it to be a, an interference call. So, I, so man, I tried to get out of the way as quickly as I could. And, and in the process, as soon as I planted my right foot, uh, I, I felt it. I thought someone had stepped on me. Uh, and But when I looked back to see who it was, um, I didn't see anybody. So um, I, I knew right then that I had probably torn my Achilles and, and uh, was able to kind of was able to finish the game and hobbled around for a little bit and uh, I think it was more adrenaline at that point in time uh, being, uh, being at the, uh, the point in, uh, we were at we were at in that series and uh, but you're right man I mean it's I mean I, I, again I just can't speak speak enough about the, the toughness and the competitive spirit and the uh, and the resiliency of this of this group to be able to do the things that we did go on the road play in tough environments and like and like what you alluded to uh, you know lose game one and um, and um, and and, five, and four of our five uh, playoff series and then come back and, and able to win three of those um, man I, I tell you what uh, you know it, but it, again it just speaks to the character uh, of our kids. Um, you know, I can't I can't speak highly enough of them and, and what what they mean to me as a coach. I, 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 I'll tell you this: I've been doing it for a, for a long time, and um, this is this is this is uh, probably the most special group I've ever been a part of. Not because of what they did on the field, but um, but the things that they overcame throughout our season. I mean, we had uh, we we went through a spurt where we where we had we were down four of our starters and. And man, no one batted an eye. Uh, no one wavered. No one. And we went through a tough stretch there, where we were, you know, not playing, not playing well, and we weren't on the, on the, on the winning side of things. But man, this group, they, they just can't. They just continue to come in each and every day, and um, and wanted to be coached, and and, um, and wanted to uh, wanted to pour into each other. So, um, you know, that's really the that's really the the bedrock of of of. of of this team's mentality, man. It's just again, just, uh, you know how they were able to uh, uh, overcome a lot this year. Well, Coach J.D. Pruitt joining us this afternoon on the final drive as the Spanish Fort Toros are on their way back to Baldwin County. Nothing wrong with coming home with a red map, Coach, at all, because there's so many other programs that would love to have had the opportunity to play for a state championship game. And, again, you mentioned the resiliency and how much your team has grown throughout the entire year. Can't thank you enough for jumping on with us this afternoon to talk about your Toros program and how young you guys are and wish you the best moving forward and look forward to watching you again next year get back to Chakaloka Park. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. You're right. Um, We'll be back. So um, our kids are already already talking about the things that we want to do and need to do, and so there uh, there's no days off for them. So I'm uh, I'm lucky to be the head coach of Spanish Court High School. Coach Pruitt, y'all be safe, and thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, JD Pruitt, joining us, and Michael, the the coach played 
with a torn Achilles. Yeah, I, I was over here losing. I mean, he finished the game. He knew his Achilles was torn, and he finished the game. Man. It, it, it's impressive when you when you look at being able to do that and actually being diagnosed Said with that torn That feeling of, like, thinking you got kicked in the in the back, and you look back, oh, There's no nobody one's there. there. Yeah. <laughs> my Achilles and, and just popped. And I will popped. tell you, folks that are listening, that was my biggest concern when I decided to sign up and play the opening kickoff. We, we, we thought that's what happened. With two-on-two two basketball, when I hit that ground, I was like, wow. You know, that that's one of those situations to where you really – thought you were you about to turn around and say, did someone just <laughs> kick me? Oh, <laughs> no, that Achilles is done. And, and cornhole was so much easier from a, a, a rotator cuff standpoint, it not having hotter. to worry about it, not having to worry about Tommy John surgery or anything with – Pitching the cornhole and, and playing the cornhole. And again, the video is available. Nick Wiggins did a tremendous job uploading it. And Check it out, YouTube, Facebook. That's right, YouTube and Facebook. We'll continue to share it here in the app with anyone who would love to see the great job that Nick Wiggins did putting that production together. And I want to thank O'Daly's for giving us an opportunity to have the cornhole competition. But Spanish Fort Toros losing 17 seniors a year ago, being able to bounce back, came up short in the state championship game today against Oxford. UMS Wright should be go ahead and playing game two here against Etowah. They're getting ready to get started up there. UMS has to have a win today to force game number three. And the final drive here on WNSP 105. Five will be right back. We'd love to have your vote. www.votenappies.com under the media tab. Click on Best Sports Show. And we'd love, again, WNSP up for seven awards through the Lanyap Magazine. So really proud of our station here at WNSP. But you can also vote for the final drive. We'd love your vote. Michael Bronner and I, Beanbag Bronner is what I call him. Final drive. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. We want to thank J.D. Pruitt for jumping on with us this afternoon here on the final drive. Spanish Fort comes up short, and they're chasing a blue map, but absolutely nothing wrong with coming home with the state runner-up trophy because it's hard enough to get there much less to try to win one. And we put out the poll question out there about earlier, what is the best sports video game of all time? Some people say Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Some people say Double Dribble, Tech Mobile has been mentioned, NFL Blitz, NBA Jam. The reason we ask, some people say Madden. Just when you have one word, Madden, you know that you went from John Madden football when it came out on Sega Genesis to just saying Madden and just pick a year. And I asked Bronner earlier about the two Alabama guys who were on the cover of EA Sports 
college football, and of course that being Mark Ingram and Sean Alexander. Now, if the game would have continued to be been played, Bronner, what what Bryce Young definitely would would find himself on the cover of a college football game. Yeah, yeah, he probably he probably would have been on last year's. Honestly, Caleb Williams. So Caleb Williams is probably the favorite to be. Uh, what, so when's it coming out? Twenty twenty four. Yeah, twenty twenty four is the next time they're going to go ahead and and pull the trigger in. Tommy Frazier is one of those that started off college football in, in 97 and Danny Werfel. And of course you had Charles Woodson and 99. That was Charles Woodson. 2000 Ricky Williams was on there. Oh, one was Sean Alexander, Chris Winky in Oh two from Florida state, Joey Harrington, do you know anything about Joey Harrington, Michael the, Bronner? The uh, Oregon quarterback? There you go. Yeah, I know a little there, something there, about Joey Harrington. Of course, Carson Palmer was on the, the cover. And you had Larry Fitzgerald on the cover. Larry Fitzgerald, to me, is one of the most underrated wide receivers ever. Of course, he going to Pittsburgh. Desmond Howard was on there striking his Heisman pose. That, that's Bush. the best game ever, by the uh, way. You, you do you, you like that one? Ta oh yeah, that was the most recent one. So you were able to like that. I, and I think the servers are disabled now, uh, but you were able to like go in and download the updated rosters every year. <laughs> so you could there. Believe me, yeah. Th those of uh, those of us who uh, you know were real savvy. It's not the first time they're going to be playing NCAA football with real player names. You know, there was a way to do it. You know, there was the people who would, the heroes of NCAA football who would spend countless and countless hours importing real rosters and player overalls. Like, I played with A.J. McCarron before because, you know, someone spent the time to make A.J. McCarron. <laughs> so, you know, if you, you just download someone's rosters and, and get it done that way. Well, also Reggie Bush being on there. Here's one that I had forgot about. Boise State quarterback Jared Zabransky. And <laughs> Boise State oh had a quarterback God. on the cover of college football in 09. I, I, I love playing with Pat White. Pat White from Daphne High School in West Virginia. Pat White was really unstoppable when you start looking at playing. Darren McFadden was on there. Of course, Mark Sanchez graced that cover. I, I think that Matt Ryan had an opportunity to be on their Tebow. Of course, we already talked about Robert Griffin III and, and Mark Ingram. But a lot of users love the golf games. Still tied. It's hard to beat Madden, but Tiger Woods golf mm. was one that a lot of people. I put a lot of hours into Tiger 12, the Masters. Put a lot of hours into that game. The B, the B, uh, like Road to the Masters or whatever it was called. They're they're all of different names. Uh, uh, Michael Bronner won a few different majors. We'll, ju I, we'll just I, say it that way. Again, I love the fact where you can get in the game, go to dynasty mode, create your own team, recruit your own players. You felt like a head coach, and you could take on and, and, and just beat the socks off of artificial intelligence at the time. But the, the the ability to see, though, the name, image, and likeness of players like a Pat White and you could play as yourself, yeah, you can't beat those type of feelings. And these 
these athletes are going to have an opportunity to experience that if they opt in. Dynasty mode was fun. What I would do is like I would change the players' names and like put me and my buddies on, on a team, like <laughs> <laughs> like the star yeah. quarterback of, the, yeah. of LSU or whatever was my buddy, and uh, you know he's throwing to Odell or, or whoever. It, it was. You know, I had some good times back. God, man, these conversations well, make me want to go home and load up NCAA 14. Well, I will say this: I, I'm going to do this for you, Bronner. We're going to we're going to get you on that Nintendo, all right, on that Super Nintendo, and on that Sega Genesis very soon, so you'll have an opportunity to experience pole position. Pole position is one of those Atari games slash early Nintendo games. Rad Racers, another one. Somebody loved Gran Turismo. That, that that was pretty fun, too. Race car games, challenging sports games were always fun to get after. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 will return with Jason Swain. What's going on with the Tennessee Volunteers? We'll find out next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. number three of the final drive and don't forget at the top of the hour we have the double team with Nick Wiggins and Steven Root taking over at 530 they have plenty to discuss whether it's Eastern and Western Conference Finals along with lottery plenty to talk about with those two guys as the double team take over at the top of the hour and taking over the robbery last year where the Tennessee Volunteers having an opportunity to light up those cigars and rush the stadium for the first time since 2006. Jason Swain joins us here, owner and host of the Swain event and does a wonderful job of covering the Tennessee Volunteers. Jason, good afternoon and thanks for joining us here on the final drive. What is up, guys? Man, I tell you, the only thing that's been going on this way is the fact that summertime temperatures have arrived early here in Mobile, Alabama. And, you know, the Tennessee Volunteers heated up a year ago. And the magic number this year for the Tennessee Volunteers and their rising coach, Josh Heupel, is going to be what, Mr. Swain? I think nine is a good number to look at and, and say, all right, realistic, fair, uh, if you handle business against Texas A&M, it can be higher. Got to take care of business against South Carolina. Who knows what's going to happen? Alabama and, and Georgia. Obviously, Georgia is a favorite to to win a lot of games in the SEC again this year. But when you lose a guy like Henry Hooker, you're supposed to feel that the effects from that. When you lose a really good player, especially 
at the quarterback position. And then you lose Darnell Wright, who was a top 10 pick there at right tackle. So uh, there should be a little bit of a step down, but I know Josh Heifel and those players don't want to hear that. Not only Darnell Wright, but Cedric Tillman and uh, Jalen Hyatt, obviously, as well. I mean, I understand you could make the argument a lot of these players are the product of the Josh Heupel system, which Tennessee fans might not want to hear that. Certainly, I believe that. Uh, I mean, could Josh Heupel really continue this machine if if Joe Milton is that productive? Well, I think so offensively. I mean, just because... Heupel does a really good job of scheming up defenses. I mean, you got to give credit to Jalen Hyatt. You don't you don't step out of bed and run four threes. Uh, not a lot of guys can, can can do that. And so, I think it's a little bit of both with Jalen Hyatt. I mean, uh, in the Alabama game, he scored five touchdowns. Not all of them was a product of Josh Heupel's system. He was just beating dudes down the field because he's just faster. And so, uh, Hyatt scored a lot of touchdowns. You look at the Kentucky game. He had a couple wide open. Uh, catches where you can look at Hypo system and go, okay, yeah, uh, those guys are open because of Hypo system. But I think it's a mixture of both. Um, guys winning one-on-one matchups and then guys also uh, winning because of the scheme. And uh, I think Milton, Milton has the strongest arm since, I've, since uh, Jamarcus Russell, since I've seen. I played against Jamarcus. We came out the same year in 2003. Obviously, the listeners there know about him being from Mobile. Uh, but Joe Milton's arm is stronger to me than, than, than Marcus Russell. And so uh, this, is thir- this is his third opportunity, though, to be the starter and lead an offense. He had an opportunity in Michigan, didn't work out, had it in Tennessee, didn't work out, and Heyman took over. This is his last opportunity, and he's grown a lot since the last opportunity being a starter. He learned a lot from Hendon when he went in last year uh, when Tennessee was up by a lot of points or taking over for Hendon through the injury, we saw the difference in Joe Milton. The touch on his balls, the accuracy that he's thrown with, and he threw with, uh, and then the leadership quality certainly stood out a lot. And then the orange ball, he was he was phenomenal. So I'm looking for a big year from uh, Joe Milton. Well, I, I tell you, you mentioned Jamarcus Russell, and I know that when you mentioned great Mobile, Alabama quarterbacks, prior to him at the same high school was one that led the Vols to their last national championship in T. Martin. And Hypo, mm-hmm. as far as getting Tennessee volunteer fans very excited, you said nine wins would be great for Tennessee this year. Will they have to wait for the college football playoffs to expand to 12 before they give themselves an opportunity to actually win another national championship? Well, I mean, it's, I think it's about what you do against Georgia. I mean, that was the team that got in the way last year. And, and Georgia's the best team in college football. They have been the last two seasons. And so the fact that Tennessee has Georgia in the East you know, makes it a little bit more difficult. If Tennessee was in the West last year, Tennessee gets to Atlanta and gets to the college football playoff. It may have to play Georgia again, but it's the downside of playing in the East uh, for for Tennessee, you got to get through got to get through Georgia, and if they would have beaten South Carolina, you probably should have been in the college football playoff. But Tennessee had an opportunity, just didn't take care of business. Uh, but there's plenty of opportunities this year. If you can go down, if you can beat Alabama again, obviously that's going to be a whole lot harder playing at Brian Denny. We know uh, the time they're going to be really upset about what happened the year before uh, losing here in Knoxville. So lots of games on the schedule, but. 
It's about what you do in the East. If you want to put yourself in position to get to Atlanta and put yourself in a position to get to the college football playoff, for sure. Talking to Jason Swain. He covers the Vols in Knoxville. Swain event. Uh, Jason, so obviously you slay the dragon. First time in 15 years, Tennessee takes down Alabama. Now, they haven't won in Bryant-Denny Stadium since, I believe, 2001. What kind of a chance do you give them to start their own winning streak this season and going, going into Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama again? Uh, 2003, I was a freshman in the five overtime game. My, mista- go, my right? mistake was, there. Yeah, my, mis- my mistake there. <laughs> hey, you, you know I'm going to let you know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> there's anyone, if there's anyone for the, to get that wrong with, that, that, you know, I probably picked the wrong guest. <laughs> no, I mean, you got to recruit. I mean, you got to continue to recruit at a high level. I mean, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. You know, those have been teams, you know, in LSU, they've recruited at a high level, and they've done it consistently. And Tennessee did a really good job in last year's class. You put a couple guys in the league, and you got to do it all over again. you got to stack those years on top of each other. Alabama has done it. Georgia has done it. Ohio State has done it. And so that's why they're able to win double-digit games and then reload the next year and have high expectations again and actually achieve those expectations. So, you know, Tennessee did it a while ago, 20-something years ago. This is new for Tennessee in, in, in this decade. And so now it's about uh, developing the players you have that, are, that have come in uh, during the early enrollment period and then getting a quarterback. It's hard to win at a high level today in college football without a, a high-level quarterback. And so hopefully Joe Milton can do that. And then Tennessee has put themselves in a really good position to have a great quarterback with uh, you know Nico Iyad Maliava coming in, the number one overall player according to on three. So uh, it's about stacking those classes, man, building depth there in the defensive line. Uh, I thought that was one of the areas that Tennessee kind of came up short last year, and then the secondary play wasn't the great. So defensively, you got to get better, take some pressure off the offense. Uh, but it's about bringing in the Jimmys and Joes. Yeah, I want to ask you about Nico. It feels like he's probably one of the better quarterback recruits Tennessee has brought in ever. I mean, I I think he would have been ranked ahead of Arch Manning if his last name was Manning. But, I mean, how how good can this kid be? He's special. I mean, the on three, on three figured it out. I mean, on three picked him to be the number one overall player in the country uh, in their last ranking. But I agree with you. I, I think the last name had a lot to do with where Nico was ranked with other services. Um but he's special. I mean, he can do it all. He's 6'6". He's an athlete. Uh, he's one of the top volleyball players in the country, so it lets you know what type of athlete he is. Mm-hmm. He's mobile. Uh, has a big arm. He's very accurate on the run. Uh, and he's very charismatic. Charismatic and humble. And it's easy to, to see why his teammates will be able to gravitate towards him and be able to follow him. Because you got to be a leader to play the quarterback position. Uh, but Nico's going to be fine. Uh, there's not a ton of pressure on him right now because – we all know that Joe Milton is QB1 right now. But if something happens to Joe, then Nico has to be ready to play. Jason, you mentioned the importance of quarterback play and, and making a program elite. At this time last mm-hmm. year, you know, Hendon Hooker, he, he's not chopped liver. Of course, now he's in the NFL, and if he doesn't tear his ACL, possibly Tennessee has an opportunity to make the college football playoffs. But at this time last year, if you were to say that the Tennessee Volunteers would be ranked number two in the AP poll for the first time since 2001, would you have believed that statement? No, not at all. I mean, when the first 
week of college football playoff rankings came out, I was telling myself, I mean, it may sound weird, but Tennessee should be the number one team in the country when you look at the resume. Going on the road, beating Pittsburgh, who you know, didn't have the greatest season, but they were ranked, and beating LSU, who was ranked, and beating Alabama, that was ranked. I mean, Tennessee had the best resume. I didn't think Tennessee was a better team in Georgia at that point in the season, but I felt like Tennessee had the best resume and the best wins. But, no, I did not think that Tennessee in year two of Josh Heifel would be number one in the country, uh, let alone playing in the Orange Bowl at the end of the season. So uh, that's a testament to that coaching staff, those players buying in. And, honestly, the first two seasons, Heifel and company, they've done more with less because the prediction was four or five wins in Heifel's first season, and they were able to go win seven and have a chance to win eight if it wasn't for that terrible call in the Music City Bowl against Purdue. They're at the goal line, but Hypo's um, done more or less, and you can only imagine what's going to happen when he continues to bring in more talent and develop that talent, and the offense is continuing to be to be special as it was and has been the last two seasons. Jason Swain, the Swain event will keep you covered with everything that you need to know about the Tennessee Volunteers, and we'll see if those humidors need to go back into the garage or where, <laughs> whether the Tennessee Volunteers can pull them out on the third Saturday in October. Jason, look forward to catching up with you at SEC Media Days. How can everyone follow all your great Tennessee Volunteer coverage? Oh, man. We, we everywhere, it feels like. Uh, you know, Sports Animal, 991 there um, in Knoxville. Joshua Swain, noon, noon to 3. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, the Swain event. Uh, my digital shows I do every uh, twice a week, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. But the, the easiest way is follow me on Twitter at Swain Event. And uh, hey, you guys do me a favor. You guys tell Jamarcus Russell I said hi, man. That's that's my guy. I haven't talked to him in so long, and uh, we used to talk a lot during the recruiting uh, season there in 2003. And I hope that he's well down in Mobile. I most certainly will. Saw Jamarcus. A week ago, he is quarterback's coach at Williamson High School, giving back to the youth. So I most certainly would tell him because I'll, I'll be seeing him on my next trip to Williamson High School. I'll definitely tell Jamarcus Jason Swain, say, what's up? Oh, yeah. Appreciate that, man. Show my love. You got it. Jason Swain joining us this afternoon on the final drive. One last segment before Michael Bronner and I make room for the double team that's in the building. Steven Root is back in studio with his man Triple G, Nick Wiggins, and they'll be bringing you the Double Team Podcast live here in studio next up at 5.30 on WNSP. Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. want to thank everyone for tuning in this afternoon. Don't forget, coming up next here at 5.30, we do have the double team with Nick Wiggins, Triple G, and Stephen Root in the building. They'll be giving you a wrap-up and their predictions on the Miami-Boston series that start tonight. Of course, the big-time win for the Denver Nuggets over the L.A. Lakers last night. L.A. down 21, no no quitting them. LeBron James could have tied the game. You know he's going to come back with the vengeance in game number two. 
AD wasted a 40-point game and 10 rebounds, double-double. It, it takes a loss, the Lakers. But, you know, historically you want to see Lakers-Celtics, but Denver trying to make their own history. Kevin Steele and John Harbaugh at Team Focus last night, both of them outstanding speakers. And Coach Harbaugh just really laid it out there on the line about giving back. And Kevin Steele said, look, Alabama fans, no need to worry. We're going to handle things defensively, and the quarterback situation is going to be just fine. As you've seen Nick Saban win championships without having a future first or second round draft pick. And the EA Sports, it's in the game. That's really what our poll question was today. What's that favorite sporting game of all time? Double dribble, Mike Tyson's punch out, Gran Turismo, Rad Racer, Tecmo Bowl, NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, all brought back super-duper great memories from the gaming systems that have gone on and existed. And Bronner, I'm going to get Michael Bronner in on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis and bring him up to date. How we used to do with the 16-bit and 32-bit graphics. I feel like you'd have exist. an advantage there. No, man, hey, look, you'll love it because, again, you'll be like, man, how did y'all play? These were the greatest graphics ever on Atari and Nintendo, and you see where we were versus where we are now, it's not even close. Not even close. It, it just, but the amount of fun that can be had by, by getting it on these gaming systems and me going and, and, and schooling you on this Nintendo <laughs> and Super Nintendo and, and Sega, you, you'll really enjoy uh, it for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I tell you, Michael Bronner, we're looking forward to tomorrow's show because We'll have the Tide and Tiger Report scheduled 5 and 5.30. Drew DeArmond, Jason Caldwell will be breaking everything down for us. Brett McMurphy will be joining us, and he has quite an interesting list of the bowl game participants that he thinks. Lindsey Crosby also joining us. We want to thank everyone for tuning in this afternoon on the final drive. Good luck to the UMS Wright Bulldogs and their game, too. Congratulations to the Spanish Four Toros on a tremendous season, even though they came a little bit short. Runners up. The double team coming up next here on WNSP 105.5. from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama.